0: Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt
1: I'm a nose job, collagen filled, phony breasted,
2: non-wrestler And I am a very shiny sequel
0: (laughs) Welcome to episode 217, Natural Born Killers With a Z
2: MBK, baby
0: So this is the only Natural Born Killers produced by ECW It would take place on August 24th, 1996 from the ECW Arena In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania With an attendance of 1,400 people
1: Yep, it would, uh, you know Air on August 27th, September 3rd and 10th As they're wont to do To cut these shows up and put them on television
2: 1,400 people They're hanging from the rafters, folks Took place the uh, night after my 19th birthday
1: Nice Nice Happy, happy belated 19th birthday, Shane. It's been a few years since then.
0: Just a couple. Yeah. You're 21, right? Totally. Exactly. So, Shane, we're in Philadelphia.
2: We are. And I'm afraid.
0: So, did you do what you do?
2: He did what he had to. I did what I do. I just don't know if this is going to be one of those that we want me to do again or not.
1: Oh, man. I have some thoughts. As we are, tell.
2: back in Philly for another ECW show so much like I've done on the last handful of ECW shows I did not bring something from Philly I brought something inspired by the show with the shot I initially looked up brain trauma (laughs) and it brought me to this recipe here for this shot known as the uh, brain damage shot or brain hemorrhage shot it's like a lava lamp kinda sorta there's some other thoughts I have that I don't feel comfortable saying. them. It, it's almost reminiscent of the... I, I need you
0: to explain what's in
2: the this, in this shot. The yeah. cup that Stifler takes a drink out of in American Pie. Mm, yeah. Not helping. <laughs> <laughs> so it's inspired by what we'll see happening with uh, our, our good friend Missy Hyatt. This is a, a tribute to her. The and, Walking and Riot. Yes. And... The woman formerly known as Peaches as well is a little bit mixed in here. Okay. This is peach schnapps with mm-hmm. Baileys. Yeah. And then a couple drops of Grenadine. Uh, the Baileys makes what looks like a brain, and then the Grenadine obviously makes look like a bleeding brain because of the wicked headshot that we're going to uh, witness watching the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we may as well just get this just over get with. get it down. It oh. is... Clink. It's a lovely shot, I must say. Here we go. <laughs> it looks horrific. Curdled feeling and everything. Oh, that was disgusting. <laughs> Ugh. There the, we go. The,
1: the texture of the Bailey's. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts that I shouldn't say.
2: Yeah. It was more for the uh, visual appeal of it not that it was visually appealing at all but i mean it does it's live not up visually appealing at it all it does no fact, finally yeah. actually live up to the picture that i found yeah, yeah, when i was trying to find the drink to make cuz the peach really saved the fact that it felt it's like baileys it felt like i swallowed a used condom flavor-wise it's mean, <laughs> flavor-wise it's not bad again it's it's Inspired a little bit by Missy Hyatt here. But so <laughs> the, the greed, yeah.
0: the greed the texture was...
2: Oof, horrific, ...was very horrific. weird yeah. going down. I had originally looked up... I don't remember what the first words what I put in there, but it brought me the recipe for a red-headed slut. Uh, but Missy's not always red-headed, so then I found a, found a recipe ra- for...
1: Alexandria kind of has red hair.
2: I, brought it, or I found a recipe for a blonde-headed slut, mm. uh, but then I didn't have enough Grand Marnier, so... So instead you brought
1: this shot which i'm renaming the brunette whore <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes so it's peach schnapps baileys and uh grenadine you pour Shit. a shot of peach schnapps in your glass yeah. then you oh. use your little spoon to float the baileys on top so that it will start to coagulate with the Ugh.
1: coagulating did it did.
2: <laughs> <bit? laughs> Baileys, or because of the Baileys, and then you, from high above, you take your grenadine and you drop it so that it hits with enough force to break through the Baileys and give that bleeding brain effect.
0: Yeah. Too much thought went into this shot. There thing. we go. <laughs> well, Let's move on to talk about <laughs> some films that hit theaters around the same time as Natural Born Killers. We got a rogues gallery it's of a turds. Full variety here. <laughs> Carpool,
2: <laughs>
0: Island of Doctor Moreau, she's the one,
2: and a very Brady sequel. Shane, take it away. Carpool, I believe I've watched. I'll have to Google it, or maybe Matt's googling already. Looks I don't like, know. I'm trying yeah. to remember who's in that one. I'm
0: David Paymer,
2: is the carpool. Oh, Tom Arnold. Okay, that's the one I was thinking of. But then there's it's ones the carpool where...
0: driver, and Tom Arnold's a bank robber and takes. Pamer and the kids hostage. Okay,
2: so I never watched that one. Yeah,
0: the
1: I've seen the
2: cover. I mean, it's, yeah. a,
0: it's a Tom Arnold movie.
1: Guys. Saw the cover
2: like, for it. Obviously a blockbuster, but it's really all you need to know. is a Tom Arnold movie. Uh, Island of Doctor Moreau.
0: It's a fifteen on the old meta score. Oof, Island hey, of Doctor like... Moreau.
2: I wanted to, I wanted to watch and wanted to like. This is one I can speak on. But I didn't ever watch any of it because the just the stuff I read about the movie and Marlon Brando and. Val Kilmer and... The stuff that you read about the movie
1: mm-hmm. is incredibly intriguing. Mm-hmm.
2: I like this director.
1: He made some weird indie movies. He made a movie called Hardware, which is basically like a cyberpunk version of the movie well, yeah, Alien. You do, you do like Hardware. And I like Hardware a lot. <laughs> um, but this guy, based off of Hardware and a movie he made called Dust Devil, which I don't he like He also did
0: Manchurian Candidate.
1: No, he didn't. Richard Stanley?
0: Which... John Frankenheimer is actually the credited director. Okay, well, what I'm saying... Richard Stanley is uncredited.
1: He's Because Richard Stanley, that's why it's interesting. Island of Dr. Moreau, if you like stories about movie productions going completely sideways, Dr. Moreau is... Island of Dr. Moreau is the one outside of, like, Apocalypse Now. But Apocalypse Now ended up being a great film. Island of Dr. Moreau, not so much. But there's a, a... documentary about making the Island of Dr. Moreau called maybe Island of Lost Dreams. I've, I've watched it like three or four times. It's so great. Richard Stanley gets fired off the production. Essentially, they bring Frankenheimer in to try to make lost, it happen.
0: Lost soul. Lost soul. The make. journey, the doom journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. And
1: <laughs> uh, like Marlon Brando, we all know, complete monster. Mm-hmm. And he basically hijacks the film to make them do anything that he wants just to get it done because they put so much money into it that he needs to end richard stanley is a true like he's a fucking freak he's in like witchcraft and shit and he gets fired off the movie and just like goes and lives in the jungle he sneaks back onto it as an extra and like gets the makeup put on and like leaves it on the documentary is incredible, but I've still never seen the movie. And I've watched the documentary three or four times. I
0: literally kind of want to watch this documentary
2: it's and crazy. then watch yeah. the movie. No, that's what
1: I... Yeah, I need See, to I've watch never the watched movie. the
2: documentary or the movie. I watched the the thing on Prime, Val, where it was oh, talking about... Yeah, because yeah, Val, Val Comer
0: is the lead... David Fulis has stated he would like to give a real account of the film's production, but fears that if he did, he would never work again. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I believe Peruza Balk is also in it. But I've watched that documentary, like maybe four times. Like, I, it's, I just really, the documentary is great. Uh, Richard Stanley's a weirdo. The stories are bizarre. But I feel like I just need to watch the documentary again before I get to the movie. But it was a movie that did so poorly. It just played on cable a lot. So yeah. a lot of people have seen it, but nobody has strong feelings about, about it being good.
2: It was not a hot item at Blockbuster, I can tell you that much. Yeah.
1: But I highly suggest the documentary.
2: <laughs> She's the One. I have seen that one. I was big into the Edward Burns movie when he had first started his writing, directing, whatever career. With Brothers McMillan. Brothers McMillan. She's the One. You know, this was Jennifer Aniston is in this one. This was one of her first gigs outside of Friends where she was dabbling into the film world. She's uh, hot.
1: Friends has been on the air for like three years or so now. Uh,
2: I was going on its second year. Okay. so Or maybe it was going into its third year. But yeah. Uh, she had this movie. She had the Object of My Affection, I think, was around this same time as well. So she was starting to break into the film world. Cameron Diaz is in this one also. The guy that played Ed Burns' brother, or one of his brothers in The Brothers McMullen, is also in this one too. I looked him up, actually, because I was like, his name's
0: Michael McClone. Yeah. And I was like, who is this guy? literally most of his movies are just Edward Burns mm-hmm. movies really? so I, th- I was like is he like Edward Burns best friend or something that's
1: kind of what I figured so you guys talk about like Edward Burns because he was this hot commodity Jennifer uh,
0: Anderson's first movie was Leprechaun, Leprechaun. By the way. oh yeah. yeah
1: at that time but like I don't know who Edward Burns too. is I've never heard of Brothers McMullen I've never heard of She's
2: the One and say I only heard about them just because I was working at Blockbuster and yeah, you know, when they came out I was like alright well, we'll check this one out the previews looked kind of good I think Ed Burns worked for I don't remember what he did before. I think he worked at like entertainment. He's, Tonight he's literally one
0: of like those that. guys that like he his looks say leading man, but he's a character actor completely.
1: Yeah. So he's um, he's uh, what's his name? Kinnear. Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear. Incredibly handsome. But like he movie, is so much better as a character actor than a lead actor.
2: In a movie with Greg Kinnear, Greg Kinnear would be the lead actor and Ed Burns would be one of the supporting characters. Well, Greg Kinnear's
1: is so good. Mm-hmm. I love Greg Kinnear, but he is one of those guys that like never pulled off being a lead. But you're never mad when you see Greg Kinnear because nah. you know he's going to kill it. Like Him and As Good As It Gets. So good. But All As Good right. As It Gets fucking rules. Love
2: that movie. Honestly... <laughs> I'm, I might be one of the only people that didn't... I liked Greg Kinnear in that movie, but I didn't get the hype of Greg Kinnear in that movie.
1: He, I mean, it's hard, too, because everyone else and is Maybe it's so because so he was
2: playing a gay man, and I was a gay man, <laughs> or am a gay man. <laughs> and uh, I... I I yeah. didn't I didn't fully appreciate his take on it at least at the time. It's grown on me more. But
1: yeah, but for like a late 90s thing, yeah, the movie itself it's I love.
2: I mean, I yeah, I adore that movie.
1: Good Times Noodle Salad. That's One right. of my favorite
2: fucking quotes in any movie. It made me want to be a better person. And then there's Very Brady sequel. I loved the original Brady Bunch movie. The Very Bra- Brady sequel was just the same amount of it's kind of like the kitschy TV throwbacks and then stupidity of your, your typical mid-90s movie.
1: It kind of feels like the B-roll, but then they like yeah. shot pot around it. But I saw both of those movies in the theater. A lot of those, because I'm younger than you, so a lot of the like old television shows that would older than, you know, they weren't contemporary to me, but they were like cable fodder. Because they were cheap to put on, so I was very familiar with the Flintstones and the Beverly Hillbillies and the Adams Family and the Brady Bunch. So when those movies came out and they did like the wacky comedy versions of them, I saw them all saw all of them in the theater. And I will say that, like a very Brady sequel, obviously not as good as the first one. It's nice to see. It's fun for me to not know who Shelley Long is when I go into yeah. that movie and then to know who she is now and be like, Oh, I've watched every season of cheers now. And like, it's really, yeah, it's just, it's fun to look at things
0: in uh, hindsight, but I mean, it's the same way with Gary Cole. I think that was probably um, the first time I realized who
2: yeah, Gary Cole was. Yeah. Gary Cole in the original Brady Bunch movie, that's what a lot of people were introduced to him as. And then he's shown up in so many things over the years, became one of those hardcore character actors yeah, you know, what Ed Burns wishes he could be as far as a character actor. Yeah, but
1: the like sincerity of, I think the thing that made the first A Very Brady movie good was that it was like a fish out of water thing, but all they all stayed in character. Yeah. they didn't mm-hmm. like get they didn't get wacky. What they were doing was wild, but they didn't like feed into it yeah. at all.
2: This one. <clears> throat> throat> It had the stuff that the original Brady Bunch movie was missing and then also mixed in some of the Will they, won't they, are they, aren't they aspects of behind the scenes stuff, you know? No. The the flirtation of Marsha and Greg, the what happened to the original yeah. dad. Damn.
1: I bet these you movies know. fucking are really funny to watch now. I mean, I'm hoping they are. They some in Hawaii. Yeah. You get that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think we could probably all agree that the best of these, like, throwback television show comedy films, is the two Barry Sottenfeld, Adams family movies, which are both incredible. I agree. Yeah, they're, they're Those really are great. great. Those are great. I mean, they're movies.
0: great films just on their own, without even even if you know nothing
2: about the Adams family. Adams family. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: They still work. The tone is all there and they're very The creative. tone and the
2: casting. Well the same thing. I mean, the casting on the Brady Bunch movie, the original one, oh, obviously they, set look the... so,
1: they look so the casting and the makeup yeah. is so good. Mm-hmm. Well, wow, what's that lady's name? I never remember her name. Ben Christ- Stiller's Christine wife. Christine Taylor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She looks so it's much the first
0: time I'd ever seen her too. And... Yeah. Really? It
1: is, yeah. yeah. I think that was yeah. like I feel to me that's the first time I ever saw her. And I remember thinking like, the Brady Bunch is old, but this looks just like and see, I was her. a fan <laughs> of, of Hey Dude.
2: On Nickelodeon. I did watch Hey Dude, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, that's hey. where I was introduced to her, and then when she showed up as Marcia Brady on the original Brady Bunch movie, I was like, "Oh my god, uh, why did I never realize that she looks just like fucking Maureen McCormick?" Yeah, I don't know why I didn't notice. Maybe I was more of a salute <laughs> your shorts guy because I was. Oh, donkey lips. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, sure. well,
0: let's talk some natural born killers. And the, the logo same. is graffiti on a brick Shh. wall. Is it possibly the best opening logo that they've had?
1: Best and worst. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and we go straight to our first match. Devin Storm with Damian Kane and Lady Alexandria versus Louis Spicoli. Louis. Louis. And as the match gets started, the camera cuts to Taz hijacking the commentary booth. Where he goes on an angry tirade about how Rob Van Dam is now working with Sabu. We then come back to the ring where Storm slams Louis into a turnbuckle, leaps off the second rope with a head scissors, a Japanese arm drag, and a dropkick that sends Spicoli out to the floor.
1: But the crowd is already behind our big buff man, Louis Spicoli, and I couldn't be happier for it.
0: Yes. Devon then leaps off the top turnbuckle with a somersault senton out onto Louis, but Spicoli retaliates with multiple chair shots to the leg of Storm. Back in the ring, Louie continues to work that leg over, even going to a spinning toehold, only for Devin to kick out of, sending Spicoli back out to the floor. Storm hits a baseball slide before tossing Louis into a guardrail and connecting with several chair shots to the head before they head back into the ring where Devin nails a clothesline and a slingshot leg lariat for a two count. Storm heads up top for a rolling neck snap for a near fall, followed by Louis countering a whip to deliver a Spicoli driver for the pin and And the win. win. Post-match, Kane enters the ring and makes an offer to be Louie's manager, offering a handshake. Only for Spicoli to hit his finisher on Damien.
1: Dude, that fireman buster. So awesome. Like,
2: yeah.
3: Whereas,
1: I, love, I love Louis Spicoli. Whereas Damien
2: said, that move that you did there, whatever it was, yes. that is pretty awesome.
0: <laughs> he sure did say that. <laughs> the crowd even chants, One more time! So Louis hits the Spicoli driver again to the crowd's delight.
1: Uh, yeah. To bring it back to two thousand and maybe ten, eleven, Louis Pones the noob.
2: What does that mean? Uh, I don't know. I don't really play video <laughs> games. It's a video game thing. Oh, it's a video game yeah. thing. Okay, then I really don't understand. Reference. I was like, is that one of those mm. no cap, full stop, whatever word things that people are saying?
1: Yeah, more video game, less hip hop. Bet. Fuck. that I just broke <laughs> it. <in. laughs>
0: We go to our second match, Little Guido with J.T. Smith, Big Guido, and Sal Balamo. F.B.I. Versus Mikey Whipwreck for the E.W.A. European Junior Heavyweight Championship. E.W.A. It's sports. For,
1: yeah. I don't know, it sounds like EA. You're like <laughs> an EA boys? The, uh, Sal Balamo, what a different look.
0: Nice little suit.
2: Yeah. Aw. Well, as I'm looking at these like letters the here. I know. As I'm looking at these letters here, I'm suddenly thinking, I wonder if AEW's ever gonna get a European junior heavyweight championship just so they could have the same letters in there.
1: They have enough belts. EWA?
2: Everyone has enough belts. Uh, I agree.
1: <laughs> God damn it, New Japan with all your stupid belts. Hey, New Japan can do nothing wrong, I thought. <sighs> they do a lot of things wrong, <laughs> but when they're good they're still better than everyone else.
0: So the two men lock up making their way into a corner where Guido takes advantage before whipping Mikey from turnbuckle to turnbuckle. Whipwreck then avoids a charge which sends little Guido out to the floor, followed by Mikey smashing Guido's head against the guardrail. They roll back in with Whipwreck flying off the top rope with a senton, but little Guido catches him with an arm drag into an arm bar. And the two men trade more arm drags and arm wrenches until Mikey nails a rocker dropper and a clothesline that sends Guido out to the floor.
1: I mean, I feel like I've noticed that Guido is ripped, but for some reason he was looking extra ripped with, maybe it was just next to Mikey in his uh, it baggy it shirt. Be next to
0: Mikey. Good point.
1: Yeah, but it's like, oh yeah, Guido, he might be short, but he has a better physique than most of this roster. Yep.
0: Yeah. Whipwreck follows out to the floor with a slingshot plancha onto little Guido and JT, which brings the rest of the Italians over, allowing Mikey to climb back in the ring to try for a slingshot Rana onto Big Guido, who catches him, but Whipwreck is still able to kick Big Guido away into the front row.
1: Take that, Balamo.
0: Mikey then leaps off the top rope for another attempted Rana, but he overshoots the big man and just lands on his head, bouncing off into the chairs. Ouch.
1: You know what his name should be in the FBI? Sal Ami?
2: Sleep <laughs> <leave> the, uh, <laughs> the bad dad joke still Jerry Lawler last week, okay? Okay. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Little Guido attacks Whipwreck using chairs to choke before they take it back to the ring where Guido locks on a cross arm breaker with Mikey getting a boot on the ropes to break the hold. Little Guido continues to work the arm until he tosses Whipwreck to the ropes and telegraphs a back body drop. Don't do it! Allowing Mikey to nail a sunset flip for a two count. Crescent Kick by Whipwreck comes off the top with a splash, only for Guido to avoid and deliver a leg drop and an elbow drop for a near fall. No one home. Little Guido goes for a body slam, only for Mikey to counter into a small package, but the ref's distracted by Smith on the apron, so he ends up Only getting a two count. Now Guido hits a vertical suplex and a turnbuckle smash. But he then charges into a big boot in the corner. Only for Whipwreck to charge into a back body drop for a near fall. Little Guido's choking away on Mikey. He hits a body slam, but he misses a leg drop. Allowing Whipwreck to hit a back body drop and send Guido to a corner. Where the Italian fakes leaping up and over. Which Mikey just doesn't buy.
1: He does a little a little shuck and jive, but it was in, it was a valiant spot by LG.
0: Whipwreck then tries to climb up, only for little Guido to continuously knock him down. But the champ finally wins the battle to botch a Franken Mikey, as he doesn't leap up high enough for the head scissors you part of the move. Up. You fucked up. Whipbreck then climbs back up for a flying elbow. For the pin. And, and the, the win, win. Post-match, Mikey's holding his knee. Sell it. And the ref calls for the medical staff. Mm-mm. I mean, he wrestles like a few weeks later, so I don't know if it was super
2: I'm bad. just hoping that doesn't yeah. cost him his I European yeah. heavyweight junior.
1: I just hope that Mikey wasn't partaking in drugs and alcohol to the point where he forgot that his arm was being worked.
0: I think <laughs> that it is... I'm going to say this right now because it's going to be a running thing for the entire show. It is August in Philadelphia in an arena that has no air conditioning. And 1,400 people
1: and everyone's brain is full of fog.
0: Because there are multiple matches on this show where you can just tell that people are blown up by the end of the match. And Mikey in this one... Is definitely one of them. B-b-b- blowed up. Maybe he should start
1: the little Guido workout routine.
0: Maybe he should. Shouldn't we all? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. We then go to our third match: Devon Dudley and Axel Rotten versus the Dudley Brothers of Bubba Ray and Big Dick Dudley, with Chubby Sign Guy and Dances with Dudley.
1: Too many Dudleys.
0: <laughs> so Devon takes the mic and tells everyone to shut the fuck up. Number one. Before cutting promos on the crowd, using racial slurs, singling out the sunglasses goatee guy that is spotted in the crowds of WWF and WCW shows. I
1: mean, I love that he calls them out for going to WWF and WCW shows.
0: It's so funny to me. Even calls out Hat Guy for being at every show week in and week out, telling him to get a life and take a fucking bath. It's pretty good stuff. All of a sudden, Bubba sprints out to the ring and goes right after Devon while Rotten and Big Dick fight. Axel uses a chair on Dick before Bubba Ray uses it on Devon, followed by tossing him out to the floor. And Devon smashes a chair across the back of Bubba. Who no sells it and places Devon on a table, before hitting a splash to send them through it, all while Big Dick continues the punishment on Rotten inside the ring. Easy duh. easy duh. Everybody then makes their way to the Eagle's Nest area, where Bubba Ray leaps off a speaker that's on the balcony, down onto the rest of the competitors. I mean, on the platform below.
1: If, I, if you haven't, if you've never seen a holy shit moment before. This is a feat that is worthy of the
0: birth of the holy shit. Like, yeah how, how did how did Joey not do an oh my god I'm right sorry. yeah I mean
2: we're not th- talking, and it's not you know, just like a like, slim trim Bubba from ten years ago we're talking the, the biggest Bubba that there probably has been
1: it's not even like a two foot speaker like it is legitimately like
2: yeah. a like
1: gigantic monitor speaker and you yeah. Crazy. I mean, the balls on the boy.
2: B-b-b-b-balls.
0: boy Devon's then tossed off the platform into a stack of tables before falling off to the floor, followed by them heading into the restroom where the cameras don't fall.
1: Piss break. Now it's that, you know, when you see the nest, there's a platform underneath it, and to the right, there's always the stack of... the stack of tables upside down, and Kind of slid him over top of him. He didn't really smash him through a whole stack of tables. But they did play swords in the restroom before they came back up.
0: So everyone brawls their way back to ringside, where Bubba Ray sets up another table, placing Devon on it. Bubba would then climb to the apron to leap off with a leg drop, only for <laughs> Devon to move in time, sending Bubba through the table, which allows Axel and Devon to isolate Dick inside the ring.
1: They've been trying to isolate Dick for years.
0: Rotten ends up holding Big Dick, with Devon charging in with a chair, <laughs> only for Dick to move, causing Axel to take the blow. Big Dick then nails Devon with a big right hand before Bubba Ray has made his way in, where Dick picks him up to slam him onto Rotten for the pin. And, and the, the win.
1: Man, that, <laughs> that run of sentences you had there was really
0: good. Post-match, Devon continues to taunt from the outside, so Bubba leaps over the ropes with the plancha before tossing Devon out into the crowd.
2: Bubba's getting a little uh, crazy. He is.
1: I mean, yeah, I think he's. I think he's realizing that like the stuttering thing isn't going to last forever.
0: Forever, though. It feels like it happens,
1: but it feels like it's like okay, I need to do something else, and uh, you know. Maybe he's inspired by uppers, or maybe he just cares about his career.
0: We then have Joel Gertner in the ring with Sandman and Missy Hyatt. And he announces that Missy is unable to compete due to injury, as she was supposed to have a catfight with Lori Fullington.
1: No catfight,
3: 96?
0: Gertner begins to taunt the crowd, calling them a bunch of drunk morons, causing the crowd to chant, Fuck him up, Sandman. Fuck Fuck him up. up. Joel even goes as far as telling Hyatt to come to his motel room tonight and make sure to bring change for a 20. Jeez. So she grabs the cane and starts wailing on Gertner. Sandman joins in as well before Blue Meanie takes the mic, only to get caned by Missy as well. Stevie now has the mic. And he reminds Hyatt that he still has a sexual harassment suit filed against her. But says he will drop it if she agrees to leave the Sandman. And Missy decides that's a pretty good deal. So she starts calling out Sandman for having a small penis. Yeah. But when she turns her back,
2: he canes the shit out of her. Yeah, that's a wicked crack on the back of the head.
0: He says,
1: uh, does drinking a lot of beer and making goats... Because that's all I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like, damn.
0: And this would be Missy's last ECW appearance until 2001.
2: Damn. Damn. Well, Missy, I raise my empty coagulated shot glass to you. Ugh.
0: <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but I will go straight to our fourth match, prime time Brian Lee. Yeah,
2: my favorite. Versus
0: Bam Bam Terry Gordy. In a no-rules Bad Street match.
1: Bad Street, Atlanta, GA.
0: Bam Bam comes into the ring and he starts running the ropes like he always does to warm up. But Lee decides to deck him with a cheap shot before power slamming him. And the
1: story here is that Brian Lee used the Asiatic Spike on Terry Bam Bam Gordy. And, you know, that's Terry's that's a signature move of Terry Gordy. So, you know, them's fighting words.
0: Gordy comes back with a clothesline and a vertical suplex, causing prime time to roll out with Bam Bam on his heels. And they head up towards the Eagle's Nest area, but Brawl passed it to the stack of tables and the bathroom
2: from the last match. I just like how they have that nice, neat stack of tables there. Just like,
1: yeah. Ready and waiting. You remember when you played. A... I mean, the bingo halls had yeah. to put their tables somewhere. <laughs> remember when you played. <laughs> video game and you're like oh I'm not really familiar with like the map or whatever and then you know you continue to play the video game because it's good and then you like know every nook and cranny I know every nook and cranny of the 2300
0: arena (laughs) you could walk in right now and be like
1: that's where this happened Yeah, that's that's where where that happened happened. and my god most of the stuff I wish didn't happen
0: (laughs) they then head out the side of the building Slamming each other into vehicles, which set off car alarms, followed by being slammed into garage doors, before they then head back through the front door of the building and back to ringside, where Lee gets backdropped onto a table that doesn't break.
1: Boom, boom, boom. I mean, these are big boys. Why did that table break? Mm-hmm. He didn't score it?
0: Chair shot from prime time before running Gordy into a ring post. Posted as they make it back into the ring, where it turns into a slugfest.
1: And they finally, after all of this, take their jackets off that they ran into the ring with.
0: Bam Bam then whips Lee, following in with running lariats, before spiking him with a DDT for a two count. And Primetime goes down low to slow the momentum, nailing a big boot and attempting a chokeslam, only for Gordy to block with a kick down low of his own. Bam Bam then lays out Lee with a clothesline before locking on the Asiatic Spike for the pin and,
1: and the win. win.
0: Cool. That
1: happened. Yeah, they did. I wanted to make a Phil Collins <laughs> joke, but I couldn't quite fit it in. Jacket Not Required, isn't that one of his big albums? No Jacket Required. No Jacket Required.
0: We then go to our fifth match. <laughs> Rob Van Dam versus Doug Furnace. <sighs> And we haven't seen Doug since Great American Bash 1990, episode 46. Been some
1: time, Dougie. And what's crazy is, like, I know earlier in the show they said that Rob Van Dam and Cebu have created... You know, they're cool with each other at the moment, and uh, have a potential tag team coming up. But Doug Furnace looks kind of like Cebu in blue like because of they don't really show his face at first and i was like oh is that sabu it only was like maybe 30 seconds but it's like yeah Hmm. you just you know it's obviously
2: and see i kept looking at him trying to figure out seen him already before i know the name but is he somebody that shows up later or have we already seen him because he didn't look like i remembered him looking i pictured him with shorter hair but then i was like did i see him after his ecw time where he got all cleaned up or
1: doug furnace's moment never happened in wcw or wwf or ecw really
2: correct we'll see I mean, I don't know, but I will say. I mean, here we are talking about him still.
1: <sighs> he's about to put on a whole performance. Twenty-seven miles years later, game, so.
0: So RVD starts it off with several spin kicks that all miss, but still look really good.
1: Yeah, he's kind of—it's kind of the keeping him off of his tail.
0: Before they finally lock up in a collar and elbow, with Furnace lifting Van Dam up before slamming him down face first,
1: and Furnace's slams look real.
0: I don't know if you caught it, but Joey, Joey reminds us that he actually used to be the world's strongest man. That was his moniker back in when mm-hmm. he was in WCW. But Mark
2: Henry's around now, so yeah. he's not the world's yeah, strongest yeah. man. And you know, WCW's got old Scott Norton now, so... Uh, he's just flash.
1: Yeah, now I can't, <laughs> obviously, for some reason...
0: But no, Furnace actually used to be oh, you know, know. his yeah. power-lifting...
1: He had the record. He, he had the record for a long yeah. time. He, it until wasn't, Mark Henry came around. It wasn't a uh, Jesse Ventura and, um, Dino Bravo. and Dino Bravo type no. of situation. I wonder
2: if Dino Bravo and Doug Furness ever met. Of course they did.
0: RVD then reverses a whip and charges in with a knee to the jaw. Before they start running the ropes, only for Doug to hit a deadlift German suplex. I mean,
1: beautiful shit. Mm-hmm.
0: Furness then runs into a big boot in a corner followed by a thrust kick and a springboard crossbody from Van Damme for a two count. And RVD runs the ropes again, only for Doug to catch and drop him with a stun gun across the ropes. But they overshoot it, so he lands on the timekeeper's table.
1: It's nasty. Yeah. This looks like more like a fight than a lot of wrestling matches. It's like, yeah, we get that they're working together, but the suplexes and moves that Doug Furness does and the manhandling he does and the bumps that RVD take are not crispy. They are genuine looking.
0: Van Dam gets back to the apron but Furness knocks him back off sending him flying into the front row. And the two begin to brawl through the crowd using chairs making their way up to the bleachers where Doug press slams RVD off onto the platform Ooh. in front of the eagle's nest. Hell yeah. Only he doesn't throw any far enough, so Van Dam bounces off the edge Jesus. and down to the concrete.
1: Yeah, he like bounces off of the edge and then into like the steel rails that hold up the uh, bleachers.
0: Pretty brutal. They continue their way through the crowd back to the ring, where Furnace tries to bring Varvy D in the hard way, only for Van Dam to reverse, dropping Doug hard onto the apron, which we all know is the hardest part
2: of the ring. Mm-hmm. Concrete block. Take that, fucker. Just drop me on the damn floor.
0: RVD <laughs> then places Furnace with his neck across the apron and a chair laid atop him before rolling back in to slingshot back over with a guillotine leg drop.
1: Oof. And Furnace was not ready for that.
0: <laughs> Van Dan then jumps back into the ring to the top turnbuckle with a double leg drop for a near fall.
1: Double leg drop, pretty cool. And I think he does it pretty well because you don't really see that.
0: Doug reverses a whip, but he telegraphs a back body drop, so RVD rolls over him and goes for a spinning back kick that Furnace ducks before grabbing Van Dam and tossing him over his head with a belly to belly suplex for a two count Release. RVD makes it back to his feet to run the ropes, only to be caught by Doug with a power slam for a near fall. Furnace then misses a charge into a corner, allowing Van Dam to crotch him across the ropes. Before springing out of the corner with a back kick for a two count,
1: we saw a move similar to that uh, last week.
0: RVD then places Doug on the turnbuckle and he climbs up, but Furnace shoves Van Dam off before leaping off with a flying clothesline that sends RVD rolling out to the floor. Van Dam returns to the ring with a chair in hand, smashing it multiple times over the head of Furnace before leaping up to the top rope to Fly off with a crossbody for a near fall. Furnace then reverses a whip so RVD comes back with another crossbody, but Doug catches him and turns it into a fucked up tombstone
3: Ooh-wee! onto
0: the chair in the ring, but a very late cover for a two count.
1: You hear some like boring chants from the crowd, and I'm like, you guys must be crazy.
0: It doesn't help that the two or three matches before weren't the best.
1: True. Yeah. But Doug Furnas kind of. Rules. And then they're watching. If, Doug if Furnace, this match
0: had stayed, really if this know. match had stayed in the ring, I don't know if they get those chance. But
2: yeah, I would probably Once they, to went, out the to, they well.
0: went out to the crowd, yeah. especially after the last few matches, it was kind of like, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. That, this, this in the if this stayed in the
0: ring, like. It and plus, there's could have been. All the, once again, ninety degrees, August, Philly, that's where some of these. That's fucked up tombstone. That, that these are, this is people being getting blown up. They're winded, brother. They're winded, completely. Van Dam then attempts his monkey flip onto a chair, but Furnace catches him again and slams him down onto the steel. Doug then picks the chair up and smashes it over the head of RVD several times. The ref then tries to take the chair away for some reason.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe he thought he was working for a different promotion.
0: So Furnace shoves him away just as Van Dam makes it back to his feet to drill him in the face with a Van Daminator for the pin and And the win. win. Post-match, RVD gets on the mic to tell Doug that he has respect for him, offering a handshake. But Furnace again drops Van Dam with a short arm clothesline and a belly-to-belly suplex, causing damage control to have to come out with a stretcher to take rvd out
1: what is this rvd of faberge egg all these stretchers but i mean <laughs> furnace looks legit mm-hmm. he's he's big and when he throws people around he does it with no regard if i wasn't a doug furnace fan which i could not have had a strong enough opinion before watching this match whether i was or was not i would like to see more doug furnace after this so you know net positive
0: we then go to our sixth match, Taz, with Bill Alfonso and Team Taz, versus Tommy Dreamer with Beulah McGillicuddy. Beulah's
1: got a broken wrist. That's what it
2: looks like. Yeah, what's with the, uh, the ladies with their casted wrists in this show? Because, I mean, Missy couldn't fight in a match because she had her arm or wrist or whatever it was that was taped up.
1: They're either Owen
2: Hart fans or Jackoff Queens. I think
0: we can guess which one we think of Missy Hyde.
2: <laughs> I mean, from what we've heard of Beulah, it's possible her too. She'd probably it sounds rather... Sounds like
0: she's a one-man one kind girl, though. It's just Tommy Dreamer that
2: she's doing it for. But I mean, it doesn't mean she's not Jackman.
1: She's doing it furiously.
2: <laughs> More power to her. <laughs>
0: so the human suplex machine takes the mic. Shut your fucking mouth when I'm in this ring. I got some bad news for you people. I got some very bad news. You see, every time Dreamer comes out here and wrestles someone, he's breaking tables, breaking chairs, busting his fucking ass on somebody's crutches, busting somebody's ass on a pole. I'll tell you what. You people are not going to see a chair shot. You're not going to see a table break. You ain't going to see shit. And I couldn't be more happy about this. The only thing you're going to see is Tommy Dreamer get out-wrestled by the human suplex machine. So Dreamer, get your fucking ass out here so I can stretch you. And Tommy makes it to the ring for the two to stare down when Taz would slap him and toss Dreamer out of the ring, following out to whip him into a guardrail. The human suplex machine then hits him with a chair and more guardrails before returning to the ring, where Tommy catches Taz with a drop-toe hold and a hip toss that gives a look of disbelief in the human suplex machine's eyes.
1: Fuck him
3: up, Dreamer, fuck him
1: up.
0: Dreamer then takes Taz over with a fireman's carry, only for the human suplex machine to roll it through into a head scissors, which Tommy escapes into a headlock, before Taz transitions into an armlock Followed by a headlock takedown and a suplex for a 2 count.
1: Is there anything more funny than Tommy Dreamer's hilarious headstand counter out of the mat scissor? It looks like rolling a potato. <laughs> um, yeah, just in through the dirt. It's very
0: funny. The human suplex machine sends Dreamer to the ropes, who slides under Taz on the return. Barely. And blasts him with a shot to his red hooks before nailing a snap suplex for a near fall. Tommy locks in an armbar, but the human suplex machine escapes by tossing Dreamer off to the ropes, only to telegraph a back body drop, allowing Tommy to hit a sunset flip for a two count. Dreamer then ducks a clothesline from Taz before dropping him with a back suplex, but the human suplex machine makes it back to his feet first and starts to go after Tommy's ribs with stomps followed by a modified STF. Taz then releases the hold and starts ripping Dreamer's shirt off, revealing tape around the rib area. He's hurt. Tommy then reverses a whip, but the human suplex machine ducks a clothesline, followed by delivering a T-bone suplex and a northern light suplex. Taz applies a bow and arrow with a bridge, completely stretching Dreamer before whipping him hard into a corner and then out to the floor. The human suplex machine follows out to toss Tommy into the front row, followed by Team Taz grabbing to set him across the railing for a chair shot from the human suplex machine. Dreamer begins to fire up after a reversed whip sends Taz into a ring post. Post it. Grabs a chair and swings away, only for the human suplex machine to duck, but Tommy catches him on the bounce back from the post. Dreamer throws the chair and Taz into the ring, where he bulldogs the human suplex machine into the steel for a two count as Taz gets his boot on the ropes. (sighs) Tommy goes for a pile driver onto the chair, but the human suplex machine counters to slam Dreamer back first into the steel. Taz then sets Tommy up on the turnbuckle and climbs up for a superplex. But Dreamer holds onto the ropes, sending the human suplex machine crashing down to the campus. G-Z-W. Tommy then leaps off the top rope, but not onto Taz. Out to the floor, onto the team Taz guys, taking them all out.
2: And see, I didn't realize at that time who he was jumping at it. And my, when I was watching, I swore it was all uh, Alfonso down there. Like, yes, please, take him the fuck out. But.
1: No. Now he's on the other side of the ring, still whistling, but oh, yeah, still whistling,
2: then, baby. That's when I saw him, and he even looked at the camera or towards the camera and said something along the lines of, nope, I'm not there. Dreamer then pulls a table out, and he
0: sets it on the apron, before running into the ring to baseball slide it into the Team Taz guys Beautiful. just as they recovered.
1: Pretty, Pretty fun cool. spot.
0: Followed by a drop kick to Alfonso as he was holding a chair. There, there you go, go
1: Shane. That one's for you.
0: Yep. The human suplex machine gets Tommy from behind and nails a German suplex before picking up a chair, only for the ref to try and take it away. So Taz T-Bone suplexes the ref in half.
2: What's what these refs taking away chairs during the show. I know, it's like they have rules now.
0: <laughs> the human suplex machine then sets up the table, leaning on a corner, before putting Dreamer through it with an overhead belly-to-belly suplex. Followed by mocking Sabu's pose. Taz attempts another suplex, but Tommy mule kicks to block and goes for the DDT, only for the human suplex machine to counter into a northern light suplex before locking on the Taz mission. But the ref is still out cold. Shouldn't have done that. So You're just Beula, a boy. Sabula so gets in the ring, begging the human suplex machine to let Dreamer go. When Fonzie would jump in, Grabbing McGillicuddy by the hair. And Alfonso starts to threaten her with a chair when Terry Gordy would hit the ring to make the save. Followed by the Eliminators hitting the ring as well.
1: I smell something. What could it be?
0: Bam Bam gets dropped by total elimination. Followed by Brian Lean coming out to lock on his Asiatic Spike submission to Gordy. Another ref runs out, but he's immediately knocked out with a total elimination. Eliminated. El Puerto Ricoño comes out.
1: Eliminated. That's who that was. They Follow- gave him a different name, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, they called him Pablo Marquez, which yeah. is his real name. Okay. Followed by a primetime slam from Lee over the ropes to the floor. And then... Donnie Allen. He- he.
1: Someone's got to give him some, some kind of money. He needs Taco Bell money.
0: <laughs> yep, you guessed it. Total elimination. <laughs> Bad Crew... Double total elimination. Bubba Ray Dudley runs in, and he takes it to the Eliminators. But he's caught with a primetime slam from Lee.
2: And I gotta say, old Brian Lee kind of impressed me there with that slam on big old Bubba, because he had him way up there. Yeah, I mean, Brian
1: Lee worked in Smoky Mountain and was like a top guy. Even though Smoky Mountain wasn't a big thing, like, he was over for... The audience they created for themselves.
2: Yeah, he's in the time that he's been in ECW, he's done nothing to impress me, and that was the first time I went, Whoa, oh, okay, yeah. I agree completely.
0: <laughs> Sign Guy Dudley rolls in. Oh, well, what's gonna happen to him? Total elimination.
2: Wait, wait, wait. There's gotta be somebody else.
0: Hack Myers makes his way out Sha! and hits some Shaw punches Sha! on the Eliminators and Primetime. But the human suplex machine ducks. And nails a Tazplex, followed by the Eliminators finally hitting him with total elimination and Lee locking on the Asiatic Spike. Mm -hmm. And the human suplex machine celebrates with the group before they make their exit, looking into the camera to say that he's coming for Sabu while everyone is laid out in the ring.
1: Yeah. And yeah, it's. Overkill, but Bill Alfonso yelling into the camera like he just beat up everybody in ECW, and it's like yeah, he kind of just beat up everybody in ECW. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't it wasn't Taz by himself, but like everybody just got their shit pushed in.
0: And this was officially a no contest. <laughs> I smell a rematch. We're then headed to our seventh match: the Sandman and Pitbull Number Two. Versus Raven and the franchise Shane Douglas. With Stevie Richards, Blue Meanie, Supernova, Lori Fullington, Tyler Fullington, and Francine. In a double dog collar match. Are you kidding me? No no jokes. No, just so many
1: people. Mm -hmm. But Sandman's out on the mic first.
0: Saying he has no one right now. No wife. No no son, son. No manager. But most of all... He doesn't have a partner tonight. He continues by saying Shane Douglas had jumped Pitbull in the back, so he will have to fight by himself. But he's the king of Extreme, and that's all right, because this is all he's
2: got.
1: Come and take my
2: life. It's that's like, what damn. It was. Like, what was the word he said? I think it was take my life. Yeah, it was brutal. Yeah.
0: Sandman immediately takes out Meanie and Novo when they run into the ring before taking a shot at the franchise with the king. Raven sits down in the corner with Tyler in his lap, while Shane keeps being hit, before Lori comes in with a cane shot to the back of Sandman's head, allowing Raven to rush over to deliver a DDT for a near-fall. Douglas returns to use a chain-wrapped fist on Sandman, while Raven chains himself together at the neck with the dog collar, but it's completely two-on-one. And they're just working over the Sandman, but he battles back every now and then. But it's just too much as the franchise wraps the chain around his head and in the Sandman's mouth. Pitbull number one in his halo has now made his way out, which brings us a Shane sucks dick chance.
1: Hey! <laughs> Shane Douglas, and they're trying to be mean.
0: Double-chain-aided clotheslines from Shane and Raven before hanging Sandman over the ropes as well.
1: We got that that spot.
0: Pipple 1's trying to give encouragement to Sandman, who then yanks Raven over the ropes to the floor. But Douglas comes out to help regain control. Raven's holding Sandman, calling Lori over to Caney many, many times in the head before they return to the ring. It's
1: like the rabbit punches that Shawn Michaels was... Such a fan of last week. Yes. i never seen Shawn Michaels do so many rabbit punches. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the franchise and Raven nail a spike pile driver for the pin. And no, oh. Sandman kicks out. So they pull him over to a corner to yanking groin first into the ring post. Yeesh. Pitbull number two then comes running out with a neck brace on. <laughs> cleaning house with right hands before whipping Shane into Raven in a corner. Following in with a corner splash. Number two then hits a belly to belly suplex on Douglas and a DDT on Raven Break his neck. Break before ripping his neck. the neck brace off. Pitbull 2 delivers another belly to belly suplex to the franchise, makes the cover, but Raven breaks it up and nails a pile driver on number two, making a cover of his own, only for Sandman to make the save. Pitbull puts his collar on to connect himself to Shane. But Shane doesn't have a collar on,
1: <laughs> they just, uh, so you know.
0: they don't ever actually connect.
1: Yeah. Just a dog on a chain. He's just a dog on a chain.
0: While Sandman's choking Shane with his chain, followed by chain-filled fists from Number Two to Douglas, only for him to move, causing Sandman to take the blow.
1: Is that the spot where like he misses, but like the chain like gets whipped up into his face?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. It was fun. Good visual. Pitbull keeps going after the franchise with fists when Raven would deliver a low blow to number two to slow the momentum. A press slam from Pitbull, but he isn't able to really throw Shane anywhere as he loses grip.
3: Sell that neck.
0: While Raven face plants Sandman a pair of times before calling Blue Meanie in for a Meanie Salt.
1: Could it hit? Will it hit? Has it ever hit?
0: And of course, he misses. Nobody home. Douglas DDT's number two for a two count before everyone heads to the floor to Brawl where Raven sets Sandman on a table goes up to the apron but then Sandman just pulls him off on top of himself for them both to go through the table.
1: It's an ugly one.
0: Pitbull with chair shots and drops the franchise on the guardrail before they return to the ring where number two smashes a coke over the head of Shane followed by a spinning heel kick a near fall.
1: Man, that was a... If the beer wasn't open, it was full, but it looked like he cracked an actual beer on his head. It looked pretty nice.
0: <laughs> Sandman pulls Raven into the ring post using post. the chain while Pitbull's choking Douglas on the ropes before dropping him with a choke slam for a two count. Sandman then blasts Raven in the head with a piece of the broken table while the franchise at number two have made it to the floor with the Pitbull having his head slammed into a ring post. Yeah, that uh, Uh,
2: Sandman-Raven broken table piece thing made me very nervous because it looked like Sandman was just swinging and wasn't looking where he was swinging. So I was waiting for a corner of it to just, like, jam into Raven's eye or, you know, at least cause some sort of blood.
1: Yeah, for, like, an example, it's not like the Mick Foley where he would, like, suplex the cactus jack, suplex the table backwards. This was just like one him, just like picking up motion. like a piece broken table and just like swinging it over his shoulders yeah. with no regard. Didn't swinging look back while
2: spinning around at yeah. the same time. It's like no, not nothing slow about it or calculated. Yeah, if it was a horror movie, it would have decapitated him right there. Yeah.
0: Shane and Raven whip their opponents into each other, then return to the ring so that they can super bomb Sandman for a near fall,
1: Oof, and it's an ugly one. Yep, it's it's always ugly when it's Sandman.
0: Number two makes his way in to low blow Raven before locking on a full Nelson to Douglas. Only for Raven to break it up from behind. What's he about to do? Raven loads up the boot. Pitbull ducks the swing and picks up the boot himself to crack Raven over the head. Making the cover for the pin. And And the win. win. As the franchise just bails out of the ring instead of trying to break it up. Beautiful. Beautiful.
1: Wonderful, wonderful character work from probably the best guy in the whole company.
0: Mm-hmm. Post-match, number two stalks after the nest. Even as Sandman and Raven are still laid out in the ring. Bam, bam. But once they begin to stir, Blue Meanie comes in with the kendo stick. Only for Sandman to kick it away and begin to use it on Meanie. Sandman then looks to go after Raven, but Tyler has climbed into the ring to protect him hit the kid (laughs) (laughs) and Tyler like walks out to the middle of the ring and just asks for the cane and proceeds to hit his father
1: it's incredibly sad seriously like it bummed me out
0: Mm -hmm. Raven then comes in with a clothesline and starts using the kendo stick himself leaving Sandman laid out in the ring once more
1: he's just distraught and Covered in blood. Even Joey points out how, you know, dejected. I mean, like, it is as much as we can be like, make jokes about Sandman or this feud is like, it takes two steps forward and then one step backwards for so long. But, like, this is a key moment where whether you care about it or not, if you've watched as much of it, as we have to this point, you can't help but just like pity the Sandman. It's crazy. The kid doesn't even hit him hard, which no. makes it even worse. He just, one he just quick like swing. taps him, but it's just like holy shit. Yeah.
0: We then go to our eighth match. The Eliminators of Perry Saturn and John Cronus versus the gangsters of New Jack and Mustafa Saeed in a natural born killer's steel cage match. For the ECW World Tag Team Championships, and
1: there's some bizarre, not maybe, maybe not bizarre, but uh, different rules for this.
0: So they're in a cage. Yes, but there is a masked executioner outside of the ring who will hand them weapons as they ask for them.
1: Well, there's four of them, and each one of them has a different weapon, essentially. So they can all call essentially for a FO from the executioner on the floor. Yeah. Weird, but it's, it all plays out. It's their own version of war games or something. Yeah, this is uh, we- weapon <laughs> games.
0: As soon as the gangsters make it to ringside, the brawl is on, making its way into the crowd and back to ringside where Saturn would climb to the top of the cage to leap off with a crossbody onto everybody.
1: And, obviously, it's a cage match, but
0: if but the gangsters in EC, are involved... But we're in ECWs. So. It,
1: it has to start on the floor before they get into the cage. That's Because right. that's
2: how wrestling works. If there's a way to convolute any type of wrestling story, they will find it. Mm, yes, they will. <sighs>
0: Perry and New Jack continue to brawl around ringside while Cronus takes Mustafa into the cage where Said hits a vertical suplex and runs John into the cage. Jack and Saturn fight their way to the top of the cage with New Jack being shoved off into the ring allowing Perry to dive off with a flying clothesline to Jack.
1: Perry climbs this cage as if he is in best of the super, like in a In a junior tournament in New Japan. It's like, back to, like, he's not even to the top buck and to the floor. It's like, to the top of the cage. To the top of the cage. Crazy. Because, like, New Jack is famous for jumping off of really tall things. But we haven't quite got there yet. Mm -hmm. But, my God, is Saturn just throwing caution to the wind.
0: Everyone gets run into the cage, causing crimson masks everywhere. When Cronus would land a spinning heel kick on Saeed as the crowd asks for weapons. Perry then hits a Saturn bomb, which is a vertical suplex into a sit-out powerbomb. I mean, it's nice. Before heading to the top of the cage for a flying splash onto Mustafa. Jack then leaps off the top rope with a trash can to John's head before everyone starts using the plunder that had been in the can.
1: And this is probably cl- around the time that the music finally stops. Because, as you know, they play the whole tune out if you're, uh, if you're a gangster. You don't, don't pause the song.
0: New Jack uses a fork to the forehead of Perry, while Saeed comes off the second rope with a cookie sheet to Cronus for a two count. Backbreaker by Mustafa to John before nailing a top rope plump splash for a near fall. While Saturn body slams Jack and heads to the top of the cage for a flying elbow drop for a two count.
1: I mean, Saturn either either they gave him a complimentary eight ball or a couple of extra hundred dollars tonight. I'm going to
2: guess possibly the first.
0: <laughs> Cronus hits a pump handle back suplex to Saeed. While Perry goes back to the top of the cage, leaping off only for new Jack to throw a trash can at him. On his way down, it's a good spot. Said with a drop kick to Saturn for a near fall, followed by Jack getting a keyboard from an executioner, coming off the top with it. But Perry catches him with a drop kick on his way down.
1: We call that the math blaster.
0: And John goofs off with the keyboard before smashing it over the head of Mustafa, but he retaliates with a trash can shot to the head of Cronus. Said with a low blow to Saturn, followed by a double underhook suplex for a two count. While New Jack is back to using his fork before placing the keyboard on Perry's face and delivering a falling headbutt to it.
1: Come on, you're not Samoan.
0: Jack climbs the cage again, this time to get a guitar from one of the executioners.
1: And it's weird because it's a guitar that doesn't have the neck. It's just like the body of an acoustic guitar.
0: When the masked man would just bust it over New Jack's head. The executioner would then pull his mask off to reveal Shane Shane Douglas. Douglas. And he holds up the triple threat sign.
1: And you know who got
0: excited? Me. (laughs) Saturn body slams Jack and heads to the top of the cage for a flying splash. For the pin. And no, New Jack kicks out. Perry runs Jack into the cage before heading to the top of the cage once more while Cronus holds Mustafa. But as Saturn comes off, New Jack throws a trash can at him, causing him to crash to the mat. And it sounded like
1: the crowd was chanting, we want flair. Probably because they wanted a better cage match. It's my guess.
0: John goes off on both gangsters momentarily with Perry headed to the top again. This time, Jack throws the trash can at him while he's on top, causing him to crash over the cage through a table on the floor. Saeed then drops Cronus with a running power slam, followed by a New Jack 187 chair dive. For the pin! And And the win! win. Post-match, the Eliminators are arguing with each other on the floor, with the franchise having to play Peacemaker, while the gangsters celebrate in the ring as we fade to black.
1: Yeah, I know this is upset, but we'll say at least the cra- the cage kept them away from the crowd most of the time. At least there was only two teams. Yeah, I don't even think they, they should have tag team cage matches, personally. I think cage matches should always mean something, and they mean less when there's more than two people in them. But it was better than a walk and brawl.
0: So I ask you gentlemen... What are your overall thoughts of Natural Born Killers?
2: It was rough. It had some some moments that I enjoyed, but for the most part, I struggled to get through this show. To the point that I mean, typically... And it's sad to say, but it's become a, a running thing on these ECW shows. But when the main event starts and it's a tag team match that involves eyes, either of these two teams. Your eyes glaze over. I Yeah, they glaze over and I lose total interest. And I was already struggling to hold interest through the majority of it. And I don't want to make it sound like it's a horrible, horrible, horrible show because we've seen way worse. But this yes. one was not up there with any of the ones that I'd ever want to watch again.
1: I'd agree with what you said. I think that this show is kind of the outlaw, an outlaw version of SummerSlam that we covered last week, where it's like, horrendous? No. Character work? Yes. Is there anything anybody needs to watch that they haven't already seen? And I think that the fact that as much as I hate tag teams in a cage... Putting those guys in the cage made that last match better than it could have been, and it also a cage means that somebody has to win. And the only reason does, I would have yeah. <laughs> it should it should, but the only only reason that like if it was the show wasn't called Natural Born Killers, maybe I would think that the, the gangsters would be strung along. A bit longer but the show was named after them so my assumption was that they were going to win and the,
2: and they did so are they both the gangsters and the Natural born killers like well, you know, born
0: killers is their theme music
2: okay. yeah yeah we don't get it on the network but like yeah because that's what yeah, i was wondering yeah. i thought maybe it's like the road warriors where they're sometimes a road warrior sometimes a LFG. legion of doom the,
1: the legion of doom in every real real man's heart i mean you know Actually, they're the Road Warriors. Yeah, like, who are they? <laughs> we love them.
0: So this is not a good show. Nope. Oh. There's way too much walk and brawl. Yep. And matches getting very sloppy at the end of them, especially the Mikey match and the RVD match. Those two, like both those matches, should probably be good. But the sloppiness just makes them hard to watch. I will say
1: that sometimes when wrestling matches get sloppy, I get more pulled into them. Uh, and that happened I for me. don't get pulled
0: in when someone gets dropped on their head with a fucked up tombstone pile driver. Because that move just... On a it, chair. If, if you, you can't give a tombstone pile driver the correct one. way... Yeah. You don't need to be giving them.
1: I mean, I feel the yeah. same way about an arm drag uh, or any other wrestling move, but especially ones that are as crucial to somebody's neck, spine. But I mean, how many times have we cringed gleefully through Abushi and Naito? Never. Oh, Shane! <laughs> I mean, Shane! Shane! You've got some. No, yeah, it, you got it, some roller coasters in your it, future. It hurts to watch those, even. No, those those kind of get like pretty difficult especially after they had a pretty big series of them a couple of years ago but yeah this is yeah that the pile driver was tough it was tough
0: yeah yeah this there there, there are things on this show that are good mm-hmm. but overall those things that are good are very minute in the overall overall thing
1: there are things you can catch the clip on like Probably YouTube. If you, need I mean, literally,
0: to see. I, if, my opinion. There's one match on the show that's worth watching.
1: And what might that be, Matt? As you move into the next segment.
3: Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All
0: right, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So, what are some of the best moments of this show?
1: Well, I c- queued you up, and I want to hear it.
0: It's Taz and Tommy Dreamer.
1: Yeah, Taz ruins everyone in the fucking everyone that's not already but on a But the match.
0: match is Taz coming out and saying, "Yes, Tommy's not going to use all of his brawling and chair shots and everything." He's
2: going to work him in the ring,
0: and then Taz uses all those things while Tommy actually uses real wrestling moves. Mm-hmm.
2: Tommy does like a drop toe hold,
0: and I don't. <laughs> I know you said it was comical. Well, the, with, the with, head just
2: the, the, the head sand
1: spot. Outside of that, Tommy did okay. Just the what? The the like headstand spot to get out oh. of the mat scissors. Well, I was
0: meaning more the the stuff at the very end with when the eliminators oh. and them came back,
1: comical but in a but impressive way. But
0: it's so much fun. No, like, I wasn't bored that, by it. That like the match was. I thought the match was great, and then I don't need a winner in that match because Tommy Dreamer and Taz they. There doesn't need to be a winner in that no. match because you don't need to hurt either one of them. It's ECW, does. And anybody then you have just—I mean, I've said it before, and I'll—I'll I'll probably say it for a long, long time. Total elimination is possibly the best finisher of all time.
1: It looks incredible. I mean, it's devastating. We got to see two people taken out at the same time. And the thing is, is like whoever is taking it needs to be a good wrestler because if if they don't fall back like they're just gonna they're, get go- hurt. they're just go- they're just going to eat a fucking like heel to the chin. Yeah. Yep. And people, we see people get hit with a heel to the chin a lot of the times even if they're not a shit wrestler. We've seen women take a total elimination and it hurts. It feels like domestic
0: violence. Do you guys have any other best moments?
2: The I'll throw him on the list even though he's not my favorite person. Oh, prime time That's right, you did did like his slam of Bubba.
1: Brian Lee did look better here than he has in a while, and I think it was because he was kind of separated from Damian Kane, and he kind of has a 9-on-1 vibe. Yes. But it feels like a lot of people have a 9-on-1 vibe. I
0: actually, I'll be honest, I actually didn't mind Lee and Gordy's match, because it... Didn't overstay its welcome. No. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was like so like, it was like seven once eight once they started brawling to the outside, I was like, oh my god, this is gonna go. For-. But they like literally went outside, made a loop, got back inside, got to the ring, and they finished the match.
1: And the loop yeah. was kind of fun. Like he takes them to the street side. They don't. It, go was area, the it was an
0: area of the of the arena we hadn't seen before. Yeah,
1: exactly. That was not a shot we'd seen when they go outside. It slams them into the truck. Truck alarm goes off. They go right back inside. That is a good point. For me, I really enjoyed is sloppy and uh, heavy as the air got in the Doug Furnace RVD match. I had a blast watching it. You know, I like big boy slam matches. I mean, when the
0: match started, I was like, oh, all right, yeah. cool. Furnace, furnace looks good. Great. But by the end of it, it was just so sloppy that... I was just. It made me disappointed. Really,
1: I like some slop when it feels real, and obviously this was real slop. Granted, I don't blame you for feeling a different way. But though, like these guys look exhausted, kind of reminiscent of the Sabu RVD match where there's no ropes and these guys are like really putting it in, and it's sloppy but they're pulling it out and I feel like this is kind of kind of like that granted it's not as high profile of a match but I think Doug Furness looked really impressive and as much as I was excited about Luis Piccoli on the last ECW show and I enjoyed him here and he took a lot of damage but then still got the definitive win seeing Doug Furness come in here and also do some like big boy wrestling and mostly stick to that it was very enjoyable but I think outside of Taz segment my highlight is truly caring about the Sandman for the first time maybe ever because I'll, that was so the, heartbreaking the,
0: the, the Tyler moment in <laughs> that match hurt. is is pretty great it's brutal the it's, rest of, the rest of the match is just Whatever. No, I like, don't give a shit that, about the rest of the match. That moment is pretty great.
1: But that moment of like him just like, f- what am, the fuck am I supposed to do? My kid is like hitting me with a fucking cane and he's just covered in blood. And he sells it really well. And he's just been put through the ringer. Like, they have put Sam in through the meat grinder. So whether you liked him or didn't, at this point, it's hard not to feel bad just feel something for him you definitely aren't uh you know you definitely aren't happy for him because nobody wants to push anybody that deep into the dirt it's torturous
0: how about most disappointing
2: well not to totally go against everything that you guys just said but i am over the raven lori tyler sandman saga I'm with you. I'm, I'm ready for it to be done. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm just saying that spot. Oh yeah, that that one that little was, yeah. That was this little spot yeah. there, but everything else, yeah. I'm 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 done with them. I like get yeah. Ravens injured or if he's actually injured, sure. whatever. Right. But that's fine. Let him fucking recover and just give us somebody else to stare at instead of the same shit every week. Yeah, it's it
1: feels just, like they pulled the like just like. trying to think of a good analogy, but they just, like, stretch it out so far. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, what can we do that, like, might actually mean something? And it's like, well, what if your seven-year-old spit in your face? And it's like, well, everybody, whether they have children or not, can look at that and be like, damn, that's upsetting. And that was the highlight, but it's because they've run out of Mm -hmm. compelling things to do. So, like, what's the most compelling like, thing?
2: I didn't give a shit about Peaches when she was Peaches. I care even less about her now as Lori. Yeah, she she serves no purpose there other than to just add another person to stand around the ring.
1: I mean, somebody has to be there with that kid and these uh, coked-up monsters. His,
0: his father's there. <laughs> this is the worst Mikey Whipwreck match we've ever watched.
1: Yeah. Probably. I mean, he had early slop...
0: But I think his, his early stuff, I mean, the early stuff I understood it had promise. because he was he was young new. and green, but he showed promise
2: but that was the that was the charming thing about he him their, that got people behind him, one of their only grand slam champions in that company.
0: I, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse, but just the sloppiness in that match and the r v d match is just like especially once that once the Mikey match happened, it's like. Maybe you should probably go less time on some of these matches.
1: A lot of matches should use less time and more wrestling.
0: Just because it's obvious that the heat in the building, you know, it's probably over ninety. Like I said, it's probably over ninety degrees in this building, and it's just.
3: I mean, mean, it hurts.
0: It hurts the crowd as well because this crowd is not very hot. Uh I mean. They are, Vocally, but they're not. vocally, <laughs> they're not hot for for really anything that's happening on this show.
1: We talked about it recently with like the how that like what, born wild. What is it called? Hog wild. Hog wild. Hog wild. Like the card is good. The matches are too long. You have to you have to understand like like where, ha- where where you're at. Where what's you're at. happening? Yeah, exactly. It's like if it's if this show is booked the same exact way and you know that the heater the i mean the air conditioner is out and you have more people than you can legally fit in the building you need to cut down the matches yeah and the bummer about the wcw show was that like they may have needed a different card to for that show it was outside but that same card inside could have been a good thing. ECW essentially only works the same venue,
2: but 1,400 people and no AC, what are they doing? 1,400 people who see the, almost the same matches every single uh, time that they're there.
1: But Shane, they love it. They love it so much, sometimes they I don't don't get it, but yelled they, at I, for I going they to do.
2: other wrestling shows.
1: <laughs> Which was a bit of a highlight, seeing...
0: Those so guys. This, the, the promo stuff on this show was really good. Mm-hmm. Devon's promo, Taz's promo, um, even even the Gertner stuff. Uh, before... Gertner was great. This oh, is yeah, the best Gertner awesome. I
1: think I've seen.
0: How about best performer of the night? Oh, so I I want
2: to uh, give it to Gertner, <laughs> just because I'm, of his. I'm going gonna,
0: I'm gonna to surprise you guys. It's Perry Saturn.
2: Well, Saturn did everything.
0: That match was the Perry Saturn show. And he looked fucking amazing.
1: I mean, yeah, like Pitbull Two has been a star, but they have not really got behind him enough. And the Eliminators are the new Pitbulls, really. And uh, this was the hey, this is the this is the guy, like yep. match. Whereas like we've had Pitbull Two that happened organically, and he didn't nearly do as much as Saturn. Did tonight, but this is like okay. Well, Saturn's the guy, so if you're willing to do this, like we're well, we're willing to push you. And uh, he jumped off the top of that cage six, seven Seven
0: times, something like that. Wild. The only disappointing part about that match is they basically had to redo the final spot.
1: Yes, they sure did.
0: Anybody else's best performer?
2: I'll stick with Gertner I enjoyed his his time on the mic running down Missy and his bring $20 yeah. you know, change for a 20 or whatever the hell it was
3: I
1: mean uh, Sandman's face just in that single Tyler spot was believable enough broke my heart a little and uh, I don't have a huge heart for the man with the worst leg drop in all of wrestling he hasn't done that leg drop in a while. For good reason. He probably doesn't have any fucking... His knees are just grinding.
0: How about most surprising? Uh,
1: Doug Furness, I guess?
0: I'll say Doug Furness was a surprise, oh, especially for Doug. the first half of that match. I mean, just like that he um, was the, the on whole, the show. The, the whole Taz-Tommy thing was a bit of a surprise just because, you know, you don't expect Tommy to come out and actually... Actually wrestle. Yeah, we we We've we know him. that he can actually wrestle. Yeah, but he's just kind of drifted off into this. But he's also brawler. Yeah. mentality. But
1: I mean, I assume he's also he's obviously uh, gained weight, lost definition, and fed into the ECW style. Whereas when he came in, he was wearing a singlet and uh, had pecs and was doing moves, and now. He's like slowly morphing into the Sandman, but with like better character work, and he at least he at least uh, has the basics of wrestling, and maybe a little more than that. Uh, so it was nice to see that come back out, but I still couldn't help but laugh about that spot. Always, like, never works for me. The like headstand, mat head scissors to escape. Mm-hmm. It like never works for me. But seeing. Tommy Dreamers, thick ass, do that. uh, Really, I really got to. You know when Steamboat used to do it, it didn't work for you. It works for me with Steamboat, but everything works for me with Steamboat.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That this was the the send off for Missy, I wasn't expecting. I I knew she was going to be leaving at some point, but I figured it would be a little more of a send off, more than just a smack on the back of the head and you're done.
1: Yeah, it was more of a yeah.
2: She doesn't get to have her retribution. She doesn't get to come back and swing on old Lori and knock her out of the picture. You remember early ECW? The We try not to. There's yeah. a fan, <laughs> well, there was a fan
1: convent, convention, uh, and they had like the crummy camera, and they did a spot where uh, Medusa and Sherry. Sherry got in a fight, and we were so excited. We like, fuck, I want to see this so bad, and nothing came of it. Yep. But, you know, obviously they couldn't work it out.
0: But it I think that was cool. WCW, actually.
1: No, this was mm. like a crummy camera. It was no, on ECW how, TV It was ECW TV, That's right. Greg Valentine yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was a fun a really fun spot. They
0: both basically both leave ECW at that point and head to WCW. Yeah, yeah. So we never see the...
2: Exactly. Well, I think one goes to WCW. The other one, wasn't Medusa going up to be Alundra? Uh, maybe that's what yeah. it was. Yeah, that makes sense. Sherry probably. They both like, left, yeah. so we never got to see it. Yeah, yeah but Sherry, it was, yeah. Sherry went and found Harlem Heat and Medusa. It was a good, like, visceral... Bonacano.
1: Yeah, moment.
3: Making their way to the ring!
0: It's trivia time! Uh-oh. This week, the category is What's in a Name? It's
2: just a name, a name, a oh, name, a oh, name, what's in a name? This week,
0: five points for a correct answer. Terrible Three layup. points if we go to multiple choice. So I'm gonna give you the shoot name of a wrestler. You give me the name of that wrestler. This week, the name is James Golden. Oof, James Golden.
1: I wanted to yell a joke out, but I know it would have been my it would have been my answer. So I I edited myself.
2: Right, were you going for fire break a chip? That was, was exactly it. <laughs> that was the joke
1: I was gonna make. <laughs> that's so funny. God damn it, Shane! Uh, it's a funny joke. Obviously, <laughs> you have a good sense of humor because that is very funny.
2: I, I, I got no initial ideas for James Golden. So. Yeah, you know it's
1: gonna be really funny if that's the real if that's answer. That's one of the Matt. You can take it to multiple choice. We'll buzz
2: in.
0: <laughs> All right, your options are bunkhouse buck. Ooh, firebreaker chip. Oh.
2: I feel like that
1: was some great like entry.
0: Ah, patriot.
1: Damn. Okay, I'm mm. gonna do it for the bit. I won some points last week. Buzzing in, firebreaker chip.
0: That is incorrect.
1: Ah, you're so good. You really should.
2: You just do. That who wants to be a millionaire? Just in that moment, didn't you? He may have. He may have. But that's a that's it's 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 worthy. So you have down to three. James Golden. We've got bunkhouse book. We've got ice train. Ice train Train and patriot. Patriot.
1: Now I'm thinking like there's a guy I favor, but
2: I can't guess anymore. James Golden. Is that right? James Mm -hmm. Golden. I want to say it's not patriot because I'm trying to remember. I think I've read his name before. I don't remember James Golden being it. Ice Train or Bunkhouse Book. I mean, You could always try Fire Record Chip, like, yeah. <laughs> <Nah>. I like... guess. <laughs> Craig Pittman. I I don't know. I'm gonna go for Bunkhouse.
0: Bunkhouse book
2: is correct.
1: Oh I was thinking Ice Train for some reason.
0: Did Firebreaker
1: Chip actually wrestle in 93-94? Well, that's the thing I was yeah, like, you just it.
2: added him last second, I'm sure. So no, is... he didn't wrestle in 93-94, so right. was... I did add it. Who, who was your other option that you substituted? John, Johnny Grunge. Uh, okay. I took out yeah. Johnny Grunge. Yeah, and see, that would have been a trickier one there because you got the JG connection okay. right there. I'm
1: just happy, like, no matter who got the points. In that this you got to say Firebreaker Chip. No, that we both <laughs> thought the same thing, which is so funny.
0: Next week, WCW Monday night, Nitro. Ooh.
1: Mm, well, something must be happening. I assume that we have a, a new belt. A, a new belt with a fresh coat of paint. Maybe
0: uh, someone joins a faction. Ooh, yeah. But we're going to be watching the Nitro from September 2nd, 1996. Coming from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Tennessee, eh? It's a new place for us.
2: Not in Philly, eh? yeah. <laughs>
0: music from this week's show is Thunder Kiss '65,
1: five five, by yeah,
0: by Rob Zombie and the Gangsters. One our main events, so we play their theme music, "Natural Born Killers" by Dr. Dre and Ice Cube
1: and <laughs> Snoop Cube, Cube, uh, Cube Dog. <laughs>
0: If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify,
2: Spotify,
0: or wherever you find your podcasts at. I
2: find them on my phone. It's
0: a good place to find them. <laughs> <you. laughs> if you have any questions, comments, concerns...
2: Have you been to Tennessee before? Let me know what you ate there, what you drank there. Specifically if, so, if the you went Chattanooga. I, <laughs> <laughs> I bet you can pull off Tennessee pretty easily. Oh yeah. It's but not, you know, I've never been to Chattanooga. So if anybody's been to Chattanooga, let me know sure what you've had there. A choo-choo drink, probably. Hmm. Sushi train. <laughs> Tennessee, Tennessee sushi. Yum. Hey, I mean, we <laughs> eat Oklahoma sushi all the time. Rocky We're, Mountain s- oysters. Solid point. <laughs> if
0: you bring Rocky Mountain oysters,
2: you will be shot. We're not in Colorado. You
1: don't eat uh, fried balls. Oh yeah,
0: Rocky Mountain oysters.
1: Of, oh,
2: that's like yeah, Appalachian out. oysters uh yeah and the mountain
0: mountain ranges
1: grand <laughs> yeah. fries are good it's like tastes basically like a, the dark meat version of a mcdonald's mm-hmm. chicken nugget
2: some hot sauce some rancher good I'll let you know how, how
0: that tastes yeah they're fine a, a I've eaten them before they're they good care.
1: they're good it's not the full testicle
2: they, sh- they shave them down yeah they're flattened
0: If you have any of those things, you can send them to us on our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Later.